0: Welcome to another episode of the Teaching Canada's History Podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Campbell, and in this special educator series, we're speaking with the finalists for the 2019 Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Created in 1996, the award recognizes best practices in teaching Canadian history and is an opportunity to highlight the important work that teachers and students are doing to interpret and share the stories of the past. Today, I'm being joined by a team of educators from Calgary Academy in Calgary, Alberta. We have with us Tinica Calder, Maureen Kelly Gibson, and Elizabeth Howey. So thank you all so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to learn more about your work, so I think we should just jump right on in. Why don't you all introduce yourselves, and maybe one of you can tell us a little bit more about your school and the students that you work with.
1: Well, I'm Tina Calder, and I am a grade 7 teacher at Calgary Academy. I'm Elizabeth
2: Howie, and I'm also a grade 7 teacher at Calgary Academy. Uh, I'm Maureen Kelly Gibson, and I'm an instructional designer at Calgary Academy. Uh, Calgary Academy is an independent school. We're a student-centered school. Uh, it's a nurturing environment where we really focus on building relationships and a sense of belonging with our students. Our students have uh, individualized learning because they come to us with uh, difficulties with learning. So we meet the needs of our students, we leverage their strengths, we develop social emotional skills, and we truly believe in the unlimited potential of every student at our school.
0: And can you give us a quick rundown of the project that you submitted as part of your award application?
3: Okay, so our project was a sort of six-week interdisciplinary PBL experience that centered around the essential question, how might we further the spirit and intent of the journey of reconciliation? So over the six weeks, we the students engaged in a number of tasks, processes, and experiences that culminated in an exhibit um, at the very end of March called Journeys to Reconciliation. And within that exhibit, um, students had the opportunity to do the very first-ever student land acknowledgement at our school, they had the opportunity to display sort of one key artifact that they created through the process that was designed to sort of answer or connect with our essential question, um, and then but beyond that there was various other artifacts. So in some cases students, well every student had the opportunity to create a woodland style um, painting um, that was based on the work of Norval Morso. And the paintings specifically highlighted the importance of animals and other elements of Anishinaabe culture. Um, they had opportunities to hear from guest speakers, um, one that had lived on a Dene, lived and taught on a Dene reservation. We had the opportunity um, for the students to work with an Indigenous educator who led them through talking circles and answered questions they had as we engaged in different activities and processes, which was really valuable, not just for them, but for us. Um, We looked at quality of life on reserves by analyzing statistics and creating circle graphs. So each time the students did a different activity and and can, and developed work through that activity, those were artifacts that they were able to display in the, Sort of exhibit, and then it was a way for them to sort of demonstrate the work they did, their understanding. And for each of these artifacts, um, it was really important for us to also display the process. I think if we go back to the very beginning of the project, we did there was a series we started with a series of lessons based on Gore Downey's secret path that sort of exposed and sort of uncovered sort of the history behind or the history and impacts of residential schools and the actions of the federal government. And so that was kind of where we started and everything kind of stemmed from that. I don't know, Maureen and Tineka, is there anything I'm missing that you want to add?
2: Uh, just that it was uh it was a, uh, and we tried to, it was an integrative interdisciplinary uh, project. It, the focus was on um, cultural and historical learning and understanding of First Nations, Métis and Inuit people. But we uh, integrated as many subjects um, as we could. We integrated all the subjects in our planning, actually. And a lot of the core competencies, uh, um, also known as 21st century learning, uh, to prepare the students for future learning. There
0: really are so many different avenues for discovery and for learning in this project, I imagine that it would be really beneficial for all types of learners. What would you say is are, are some of the greatest
2: impacts from this project then? I would say that it was deeply meaningful and um, very authentic learning for the issues and concerns that we hold for the lives of First Nations, Métis, Inuit Canadians Um, I think it was very engaging and, um, I think the impact it, it was evident at the event, the Journeys to Reconciliation event that we held and the parents and, uh, were invited and the entire school, um, community was invited. Um, I think what really hit me was the depth of the students' learning and uh, witnessing them explaining their learning and responses to questions. Um, I think their own reflections of the whole project was also uh, a big impact and the fact that the students wanted to continue this work even after the event and so we did until the end of the year.
1: I think uh, to add on to what Maureen was saying, our intentions going into this project were to inform our students about Canada's history and Canada's history involving First Nation, Métis, and Inuit. Uh, But it went far beyond that, I think. Uh, They not only learned about the history that we... Um, acknowledged as teachers in our generation didn't learn much about and I think that's a terrible tragedy. So they not only were enlightened about it, they learned about reconciliation and the 94 calls to action. and then on top of that, they were able to share that with their parents who after seeing the celebration of learning, came up to us and came up to their students and said, "I learned so much, I did not know uh, this this much about our history. So I think that was really very powerful that the students were, able to educate their parents and members of the community about our history and our role moving forward.
0: Yeah, this project really makes this history very relevant for your students, it sounds like, and I'm I'm sure it's beneficial for your students on a personal level, but also for these communities at large. And I'm wondering if you can speak to um, some of the importance for that aspect.
1: So I think... Um, Our uh, community is, um, uh, the Calgary uh, Academy community has uh, very little representation of First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, so I think we were actually one of the first classes that really um, took this initiative and really um, ran with it because it is so relevant in um, Canada and being Canadian at this um, point in in time. There's a number of things that this project led to, one being uh, the first time that we have uh, done a student-led land acknowledgement, so that's very exciting, and I think that's something that's going to um, continue on in our community. Uh, The students were very proud that they got to do that, and they've already done it a number of times at special events at our school. Uh, We were also uh, able to do a fundraiser at the end of the year where we uh, raised funds, and the the students chose to uh, purchase a Treaty 7 flag, which we're very excited to be um, uh, posting up at the school next year and moving forward. So um, we are really spreading a knowledge uh, and understanding and um kind of an encouragement for everyone to learn a little bit more and learn about the 94 Calls to Action and everyone in the school and wider community to really acknowledge that uh, we are on Treaty 7 land and we all do have a role in um, understanding and healing moving forward.
0: I want to zoom out a little bit and look at the project as a whole, but also your overall teaching practices and philosophies. And I'm curious what you think are the benefits of project-based learning. And I guess there's a follow-up to that question. And that would be what recommendations or advice would you give to other teachers who want to incorporate a project-based learning framework into their practice? Uh,
2: Project-based learning, you have to have a... like. A lot of people think that project-based learning is just about a project, but at the the center of that is the learning goals, key knowledge, understanding, success skills that the students uh, need to have. It's all driven by an essential question, a challenging problem or an essential question. In this case, of course, it was an essential question. That question, when done well, um, creates sustained inquiry where the students are then forming questions and as the project goes on the students questions become more open and and deeper um the other part of project-based learning is that uh, the authenticity of project-based learning really uh allows you to to for the students to really see the value of their work one of the things that I I noted one of the students said the very first class that uh Tina could taught for social studies for this project, where, she, where, where we introduced the students to the, the apology that uh, Prime Minister Harper gave to the Indigenous people of Canada. And one of the students said, this is really important work. I'm so excited. And to me, that said, that said everything about the work, everything that we had hoped, it started from the very beginning. Uh, Then project-based learning where there's student choice and voice. The students get to choose what kind of product, what type of um, performance or explanation that they're going to do. Uh, There's ongoing reflection. There was reflection for ourselves as teachers, and we were constantly revising our work as we were going on. Um, And the students reflected on their work. And then there's critique and revision where we used a gallery walk protocol for feedback. So all products and processes were not just uh, done, but refined, revised, improved upon. We taught the students to have early on uh, um, like a maker mindset where frequent iterations to improve upon their products and their processes and their explanations. And uh, and then finally, in project-based learning, you want to have a public product And that was what our event Journeys to Reconciliation was.
3: Yeah, I think advice that we would give um, for someone who might be looking to undertake a project of this magnitude was, I think the biggest piece was choosing a central question, guiding question or a central theme that would be engaging to the students and then looking for ways to connect curriculum objectives and competencies to that theme as opposed to looking at the curriculum and then, sort of finding connections there, and then then choosing a theme, it just I found made when we were looking to tie everything back to that question, it made everything so much more authentic and meaningful to both us and the kids. Um, Maureen talked a lot about reflection. I think you gotta you don't you you want to not be afraid to like correct course mid process. There was a number of times where we thought we had a plan, and then we would either come up with another idea that connected better with our essential question or something wasn't working the way we had planned for it to work. And so we would talk about what wasn't working well, what did we need for us to be able to move forward with that task or how could it be changed? So that was a big piece of it. Um, And then purposely build in time for collaboration and discussion. So many of our ideas um, stemmed either during or following conversations with each other. Um, And so without those built-in opportunities, I think we met once a week, sometimes even twice a week throughout the process and before the process, in order to design the project, discuss what it was we planned to do, reflect upon the work we were doing. So without that built-in time, I don't know if we would have connected quite as much. And without that time to connect, I don't know if we would have... I think the work we did was that much more rich and valuable because of the time we spent really talking about it and sort of collaborating. And then I would say, just to, to speak to Maureen's point, um, really look for ways to focus on and support and build the skills that students will need to be successful throughout the project. So for us, we looked a lot at collaborative skills, the ability to just to reflect on work and iterate it. I think with us, we found... With our kids, there's sort of a tendency to do your work, finish it, and you're done. And so we really both before the project started and throughout the project really embedded processes and skills that would allow students to reflect on their work and then improve their work or change their work based on the feedback they were getting to improve it. And so just that mindset that nothing's ever really done, that you're continuing to make it better over time. And so... We had to spend a lot of time embedding processes within our activities to support those skills because they just weren't ones that our students necessarily had when we started the project.
2: I think also that, um, and maybe, maybe we didn't make this clear that um, with feedback, oftentimes it's just the teacher that gives feedback on a students' work, but the feedback that our students were getting were from every other student in the class and all three of us teachers. And so to have that kind of rich feedback really allowed us to have rich products, rich learning, and uh, an incredible event. Yeah, it
0: definitely sounds like that. I really want to build on the point of collaboration that you were talking about, Elizabeth, because collaboration really is happening at... All the levels of your project, not only among yourselves and your students, but you also worked really closely with, um, you know, guest speakers and you visited museums. And how did you bring in all of those elements into this project
3: and and reach out to those partners of this work? I think it, I mean for me, anyways, I can't speak to the other two. It started with knowing that I didn't know enough when we started, so I knew that I we were going to need. I think we all we needed, to get info, we needed to get information from other sources and by working with guest speakers, by taking the kids to museums, we had a play that came to the school. It just made those experiences that much more meaningful. Um, the Indigenous educator that came into the talking circles with the students, she works with the Calgary Regional Consortium and does professional development work with teachers in the Calgary area. So... Our school had a bit of a relationship with her before the project started and then we as teachers had the opportunity to take part in a blanket ceremony which really was a valuable experience for us as we embarked on the project because it put everything into a lot of perspective for us and gave us a little bit more understanding as we did this work with the students. Um, You know one of the other guest speakers we had is actually a teacher that works at our school and he was the one who really spearheaded the artist study with the students but he had had the opportunity to teach and work on a Dene reservation at one time early in his career and so we were looking for ways to engage him in the project and so I think it was yes we could have created a project sort of within a vacuum just the three of us and looked for resources online and resources that we could implement within the classroom but by looking for experts in this sort of within this area um, it made I mean, it kept things moving. Number one, like it was, we varied sort of the teaching with our students so that experiences were different each day. Um, but it also, it made for richer, more valuable experiences for them because again, like there's these people knew so much more than at least I did moving forward. And so it was sort of leveraging our strengths and sort of what we could bring to the table with this and what we could do better if we looked elsewhere. Um, Again, I'd prompt either Maureen or Tina to get a jump in. That's sort of my perspective on it.
1: I think that um, going into this and planning this, we all knew that if it was going to be successful and meaningful, that we had to create authentic learning experiences uh, to make it um, uh, relevant to the students. So having Donna Ross come in and speak about um, her mother as a survivor of residential schools Uh, played a very important role in this. It made it very real to the students. Um, And it wasn't um, just Donna Ross, but um, we uh, took part in a, um, we watched a play called We Are All Tree People and that spoke to the students. Uh, Students took part in um, a circle dance, a first circle dance at Calgary Academy. Um, So, uh, much of our day for all six weeks was devoted to this project and looking at it from different perspectives, hearing um, experts speak uh, and um, learning about it from um, a historical perspective and kind of looking at it from uh, what can we do now. That's incredible. Thank you so much, Tinica, Maureen and Elizabeth, for
0: sharing your work with me today, it's really been fantastic to learn more about the wonderful work that you are all doing in the classroom.
2: Yes, our pleasure.
1: Thank you
3: for taking the time to chat with us.
1: Thank you very much. We uh, do appreciate it. Um, I think I just want to add one more um, little bit of information. I think um, what I've learned through this is um, sometimes history can't be, it's not super exciting and super relevant to students especially in grade seven and especially Canadian history but what I've found is that um history really does become enticing to students when you empower them to become change agents for the future so I'll leave you with that and um and I thank you so much for having us today
0: what a perfect note with which to to end uh thank you again it's been it's been great